Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord for us. Did you know that in about a hundred year span, the population of Ireland shrunk in half? This was from 1820 to about 1930. The conditions in Ireland so unfavorable that all of these people packed up and left. Almost half of the population of their country left. It was, if you know your history, you remember the potato famine, the Irish potato famine. Now, potatoes were their staple crop. It was what they did. It was what they depended on. And one year, the crops were diseased. Half of the potatoes were lost to the crop. So they're struggling. The next year, the entire crop was lost. And so it was a nation devastated. No potatoes in a land that depended on potatoes. And so what happened was millions of Irish people immigrated. In fact, they came to the United States. Um, 10%, I found, of the U.S. population, 10% of us, um, have Irish roots. Have an, uh, our, these were our ancestors who came to the States. Um, these were people, so you think about this, and there's so much more that could be said in this really kind of fascinating piece of history, but these were people who uprooted, they left their home, they left their family members, they, they journeyed into an unknown land with the hope that they would have a better life there. It's interesting, and the reason I mention that is because we see the same thing in this story from Genesis chapter 12, this man, Abram, who, of course, later becomes Abraham where he follows God's call, he goes on this great journey, and it's stated clearly there in Genesis 12, which is where we're going to be studying today, where Lakota read for us, that he was to leave his country, his people, his father's household. And where is he going? Into the unknown. (laughs) The Lord says, you're going to a place that I will show you. He doesn't know where he's going. The only thing Abram knew was what he was leaving behind. But still he went. He stepped out in faith. And we are to do the same. So that's what we're going to talk about together this morning. I am just thrilled that you're with us. My name is John. I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. This morning, we're starting a brand new sermon series. It's called Father Abraham. Now, our goal this year is to preach through the book of Genesis. We're doing that in segments or parts. We're not going all the way through, uh, but we're kind of breaking up. And so this is really kind of Genesis part two. Uh, We already covered the first part earlier in the year. 
And if uh, you remember, it's full of failures. In other words, Genesis chapters 1 through 11, I mean, it begins with God's beautiful and perfect creation. God created things lovely and wonderful and perfect, but, but then it turns into just a series of failures on the part of humanity, like Adam and Eve, the very first ones who sin and get kicked out of the garden. Their son, Cain, who murders his brother, Abel, and who lies about it. Humanity, who becomes so corrupt, so violent, that the Lord says, I am going to cleanse the earth from humanity. I'm going to eradicate humanity with the flood, with the exception, of course, of Noah and his family. Noah survives the flood, and one of the first things he does after the flood, he plants a vineyard, he makes wine, and he gets drunk. (laughs) And then we have the story of the Tower of Babel, which was the last sermon in our series there, where we have this group of people who who build a great city and they begin construction on the Tower of Babel, all because they want their name to be great, because they want the glory and they want the fame. We, We have started with a lot of failure. And so here we are, we're actually at the end of Genesis chapter 11, and God in his great mercy decides he's going to pick one guy and he's going to call him to be set apart. He's going to pick one guy to be special. He's going to be the father of what's going to become the Jewish nation, of course, with whom the Lord is going to have this special covenant relationship through whom we are going to get the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that man was Abram. Again, eventually he's going to become Abraham, but we're not there yet, so I'll refer to him as Abram this morning. So if you have your Bible, please open it. We're going to be in the Word this morning, Genesis 11 and 12. If you see there, in the second part of Genesis chapter 11, uh, Abram comes 10 generations after Noah. So we could count those generations. It's 10 generations later comes Abram, his father's name, Terah. And we see in verse 31, they lived in Ur. Now, we know a lot about Ur, actually. It was in Mesopotamia, and it was the hot spot of the day. It was really a place where uh, things were uh, moving and shaking. It was a place of innovation. It was high society. Like this, this is the place where the bathtub was invented. <laughs> this is, they, they were innovators. They have, they have impacted even our lives with the invention of the bathtub. So, so this is where Abram is. He comes from a wealthy and prominent family. He has riches. He has respect. He has this trophy wife. Her name is Sarai. She is just stunning in her beauty. Abram also, if we do a a good, thorough, close read of the the entirety of Scripture, we see he was a religious man, not a follower of Yahweh, the one true God. He was a religious man. The city in which he lived, Ur, it was devoted to the moon god. It's actually in Joshua chapter 24 that we learn that his family worshipped false gods. And so he was religious. He just, he wasn't saved. I mean, like, like, Abram had a lot going for him, (laughs) but he was going to hell. He had a lot of things going right in his life from a worldly perspective. And the Lord chooses him and calls him. That, that's what I'm excited about this story. I want to, I want to share and learn together today. So uh, let's, let's read together. We're in Genesis chapter 12, where we hear the call of Abram. Um, starting in verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And the beginning of verse 4, so Abram went. (laughs) 
Look at the first word from the Lord in verse 1, go. And the beginning of verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. It says Lot went with him, that's a nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, I want to be clear here, we have three locations so far. Um, The first is Ur, that's in Mesopotamia. In fact, I brought a map to show. This was home. Ur is home. This is in Babylon. Uh, This is where Tower of Babel would have been. Humanity was mostly living there before they dispersed. So this is home. Abram and his wife, Sarai, again, along with his dad, Terah, his nephew, Lot, they're heading to Canaan, but they stop in this place of Haran. So if we look at chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11, verse 32, it says they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. So that's the second location. So Ur is the first location. That's home. Haran is the second location. It says they stayed there until Terah died. If we do a little bit of digging, that's about 25 years based on, based on the timeline there. And then what we just read there, beginning of chapter 12, is they respond to God's call and they enter into the third location, which is Canaan, which is a familiar uh, name for us, right? This is the promised land. This is the place where God says he will give the land to Abram and to his descendants. So those are the locations that we're talking about so far. Three of those locations, Ur, his home, Haran, where he did this stop on the way, and then Canaan, where he's now arriving in Genesis chapter 12. Which, by the way, I heard a Russian immigrant who was talking about uh, coming to the United States. He said, and I really did hear this, uh, <laughs> he, he said that he was shocked by the variety of, of like um, instant products that we have in America. So he said, on my first shopping trip, I saw powdered milk. Wow. Just add water and you get milk. And then he said, then I saw powdered orange juice. You just add water and you get orange juice. And then he said, and then I saw baby powder. (laughs) And I thought to myself, what kind of place is this? (laughs) Um, You'll you'll notice there, uh, we took the map down. That's okay. It also has Egypt on there. That's because he does make a trip into Egypt uh, we're in Genesis chapter 12. You can go ahead and just look down quickly. Verse 10, it tells us that he did that because a famine came on the land. A famine, like he had no potatoes. <laughs> okay, no, potatoes probably weren't their crop, but uh, there is a famine. He goes to Egypt. He's supposed to stay in Canaan. That's where God has promised him the land. But like so many other biblical heroes, we're going to find Abram is flawed. He's sinful. We're, we're going to see over these next weeks as we study his life that he made decisions and choices that were really foolish, that were really silly. God uses even flawed people. God uses even sinful people. He is a great example of faith, and we're going to talk about that, but he's not perfect. He makes mistakes, and we can learn from those mistakes as well. So he does, he does make a—then there's a fourth location, which is into Egypt. But here's really what I'd like to do with the rest of our time together as we're considering this passage in Genesis chapter 12 is—, is Considering God's call on Abram's life and how he, he left what was familiar and he stepped out in faith and he trusted God and how we too are called to do the same thing. We too are called to trust the Lord and to step out in faith because here's the truth. God calls each person, 
each person. Sometimes we're confused about calling. We think it's just for pastors or missionaries. God calls each person. So again, we talked about how verse 1, it says go. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. And this passage, if, if, you, uh, if you notice, it's just filled with action. These verses are filled with verbs and movement and action. And at first, at first sight, it's like, oh yeah, because Abram was responding. He was moving, which is true. But I kind of want to look again and see how maybe it's not always Abram who's doing the action. Maybe it's more God who's doing the action. So like even just kind of scanning over some of these verses, like verses 1, 2, and 3, it's go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those whom you curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed. It's God. God is the one who's doing the action here. The main character of this story really is God. Abram, he's an ordinary guy. He's doing his thing. We wouldn't know anything about him other than God choosing him. And God calling him. He reached out to Abram and called him to a greater future than what Abram could provide for himself. And that's what God does for us. He calls us into a greater future than what we could provide for ourselves. And why does God do this? Why did he do this to Abram? Because he wanted a relationship. He wanted to know Abram. He wanted to be a part of his life. And he wants a relationship with each and every one of us. Did you notice how old Abram was here in this story? Somebody tell me. Yeah, 75. So you go, oh, this story isn't for me. This is for my my grandpa. (laughs) 75 years old. And he's childless. He doesn't, we have this great promise. Like, I'm going to give you this lamb. I'm going to give it to your offspring. He and his elderly wife have no children. And yet God makes them a promise. Listen, it doesn't matter how old you are. (laughs) And no, this isn't just a message for grandmas and grandpas. Because it doesn't matter how young you are, and it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what station in life you are. Here's a couple who doesn't have any children. It doesn't matter if you have children or not. It doesn't matter if you have resources or not. God is still calling. And notice what God is calling Abram to do, to follow him. Again, he's not calling him to attend seminary. He's not calling him to plant a church. He's calling him to follow him, to trust him, to enter into relationship with him. Your primary calling, my friend, is to faith. Your primary calling is to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then coming out of that relationship with Jesus to follow where God leads. Just like Abram did. To to then follow, to say, okay, God, I might not see it. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to follow where you lead. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4.1. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. God calls each person. We are called to be children of God. We are called to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We are called to be in relationship with the living God. And then that does mean, my friends, that we're called to step out in faith. Why? Because God calls you out of your comfort zone. (laughs) He calls you to step into the unknown. Like, this was not possible for Abram to say, I trust you, Lord, but stay home. I trust you, Lord, but I'm going to go take a bath. (laughs) Like, this was not possible 
for him to say that. He had to respond. The, the command, and we see here, uh, I'll get to this in a minute, we, we have two commands that the Lord gave Abram in these verses. In verses 1 and 2, two commands. The first is to go. So it's an imperative. It's a command. The Lord says, go. So Abram's choice was, will I go or will I not? There was no option for just paying God lip service, saying, yeah, sure, God, I believe in you. Yeah, sure, God, I'll be your follower, but I'm going to stay here in the comfort of my own home. His choice was, will I go or not? And we have the same choice. God calls us, and he calls us to go out of our comfort zone. Will we move ahead? Will we leave the known behind and step into the unknown? Will we step out in faith? Will we go to the place where the Lord is yet to show us? For Abram, again, I mean, if if you look at his life, he did have things going well for him. So he's leaving behind most likely riches, respect, his false religion. He's got to leave behind. I mean, we, we saw the list of his family members who went with him there. It was a father, a wife, and a nephew. That's it. That's that's all that went with him. He's leaving behind relatives and family members. (laughs) And man, I'll tell you, it just reminds me of the words of our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 14. He says, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And no, Jesus isn't saying you need to really uh, dislike your relatives. He's not saying it's time for you to chew out the people that are closest to you. That's not what Jesus is saying. We know what he's saying. He's saying when God calls, you go. He's saying the life of faith means my walk with Jesus means everything to me and anything else comes secondary. Are we willing to go? Even if it means leaving behind relatives or comfort or home. Even if it means leaving those near and dear to us. It's it's like in the Frozen movie. Elsa the Ice Queen. She's called to step into the unknown.
You can hear her grappling with that, right? It's like, I don't know if I want to leave. I don't know what, with this, this, I don't know where I'm going. It's like, this is, this is what Abram was faced with. Will I step into the unknown? It's what you and I are faced with. Will we follow where God is leading us? Will we heed the call? And I get it that that can be scary and frightening. And I get it that there are a whole list of questions then that remain unanswered. But here's what we do know. God will be with us. God will be with us. We might not know where he's leading. We might not know what we're stepping into. We might not know what's around the corner, but we know God is there. And we know from the promises in his word that he will be with us, that he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. And so we trust him. And so I want to, in a very sincere and heartfelt way, urge you and implore you, do not allow comfort, do not allow convenience to keep you from God's calling. Trust him and step into what he has for you. Step into the beauty and the wonder of what God has for you. Because what God has for you is best. I heard a story about an old farmer who was fishing in a tub of water in his backyard. (laughs) And his neighbor ambles over and says, man, there ain't no fish in that tub. How come you're wasting your time? The farmer says, I know I ain't going to catch anything, but it's just mighty convenient to fish here. It's funny, but it's kind of sad that I think, I think for so many, we're called to be fishers of men. And we're called to go into the places that God leads us in. Yet, how often we're in our backyard fishing in a tub. We know we're not going to catch anything, but it's, it's mighty convenient. Yeah, God calls us out of our comfort zones. <laughs> he calls us out of those convenient spots. And listen, it's for our good. It's for our own growth. But I love the way that uh, Bible scholar Warren Wearsby puts it. I brought this quote for us this morning. He says, the life of faith must never stand still. For if your feet are going, your faith is growing. <laughs> Abram didn't know where he was going, but he chose to step out in faith. So when God says go, go. Move forward. Step into the future with boldness, confident that the Lord is going to be with you each step of the way. He has bigger plans in store because God calls you to be a blessing. Yes, he calls you to be a blessing. So I told you there are two commands here for, the, for Abram from the Lord. The first is to go. The second is in verse two. It's when the Lord says, be a blessing. It's an imperative. It's a command. Be a blessing. Don't go grumbling and complaining and all up in arms and upset. Instead, go enriching the lives of others. Go sharing the joy of the Lord. That's what God called Abram to do. That's what God calls us to do. And, and listen, God is promising Abram tremendous blessings here, right? He's, he is telling him, I'm going to give you this land. We're going to see in chapter 15 where he says, look up at the stars. Look up at the sky and see how many stars. He says, that's what your kids and grandkids and offspring are going to be like to an old man who has no child. (laughs) So God, he promises tremendous blessing to Abraham. And in the coming weeks, we're going to see he fulfills those promises. Like God makes him into a great nation. He gives him a great name, just like he said he would. But God blesses people so that they can be a blessing to others. 
Now, I want to look closely then and talk about how did Abram go on this journey into the unknown? If we look at verse 6, we're in Genesis chapter 12. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. And then let's see, what, what does Abram do here? So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abram chose to go worshiping. He chose to go with gladness in his heart. He believed the Lord. He believed he was serving the Lord. And so everywhere he goes, this is amazing. Everywhere Abram goes, he leaves a mark. He builds an altar. Look at the next verse, verse eight. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel. He pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. And there, what does he do? Builds an altar to the Lord and calls on the name of the Lord. He is worshiping as he goes. He wants to be a blessing. You notice there it said, and there were Canaanites living in the land. Like there are other people there who are watching him, who are seeing him. And I want to hone in on two things mentioned here, specifically from verse 8. The altar and the tent. The altar and the tent, which I think are really formative and helpful for us as we consider the Lord calling us, and will we go? Will we respond in faith as Abram did? See, as he journeys, we see he leaves this trail of altars because he's a worshiper. Anyone can see, oh, Abram was here. Abram is worshiping Yahweh, the one true God. A Abram is on a mission, and he's doing it with gladness in his heart. And he's shining brightly in all the places he goes. Anywhere he goes, he leaves a mark behind him because he's leaving this trail of altars because he's a worshiper. But he also pitches a tent because he's a pilgrim. He, you see, he had done the big house and the hot tub and the Lexus thing. Like, he had done that. He chose to leave it all behind, and he's now traveling through a hot, arid, dry, desert land, pitching a tent. But we know that what Abram craved was heaven. The scriptures tell us that. He, he was seeking a dwelling that wasn't made by human hands. Like he, he had experienced probably all, all that the world had to offer at that point in terms of lavishness and luxury. And he says, I'm looking for something different. And in verse 8, we see specifically that he's between Bethel and Ai. Bethel means house of God. It can represent our eternal dwelling with God in glory. Ai means ruin or dump. <laughs> and I just love this imagery here in verse 8 where, where Abram and Sarai are walking from the city of ruins to the house of God. And that's where we are as well. Heaven before us the world behind us, and right now we're camped out in the middle and we're journeying through it with the Lord and we're following where he leads. You see, when God said to Abram, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, he was referring to Jesus. Jesus, the one who came fully man, fully God, who went willingly to the cross, who laid down his life, who on the third day was raised back to life by the power of God, who now offers eternal life to anyone who believes in him. And so as Abram goes to be a blessing, yes, I believe he was a blessing, but the ultimate blessing is in Christ and in Christ alone. He is the source of every blessing. 
It's only in him that we find life. It's not in you. It's not in me. It's not in our charm or our personality or in our gifts or abilities. And so if we're going to be a blessing to others more than anything else, we have got to share Christ with them. It was at age 12 that I read that Robert Louis Stevenson was looking out into the dark from his upstairs bedroom window. He was watching a man as he lit the, uh, the lamps along the street. And Stevenson had a governess who came into the room and she asked him what he was doing. And he replied, I'm watching a man cut holes in the darkness. <laughs> I'm watching a man cut holes in the darkness. And that stuck with me, you know, like, isn't that exactly what God calls us to do? <laughs> is to cut holes in the spiritual darkness of the world. Even as we recognize and celebrate these young people today, these young men and women, and they're graduating high school and they're turning 18 and they're ready to enter into life in the world as grown-ups. And who will they be? And what impact will they have? Will they cut holes in the darkness by shining brightly the light of Christ? We pray they do even as we avail ourselves for the Lord to do the same in our own lives. So we proclaim Christ. We are unashamed of the gospel. And we know that it's not us who's going to save anyone. It's Christ and Christ alone. There's a famed Chicago pastor, preacher, long time, who was Dr. H.A. Ironside. And he shares about a time where a woman approached him and she explained that she expected to get into heaven by faith plus her good works. And she said, it's like a rowboat. It's got two oars. She said, it takes two oars to row. Otherwise, you're just rowing in circles. And Dr. Ironside was very gracious and he responded to the woman, that's a really good illustration. Except for one thing. I'm not going to heaven in a rowboat. <laughs> it's only Christ. It's Christ and Christ alone. And so it's Christ that we proclaim. You want to be a blessing to the world? Proclaim Christ. Be like Abram and leave behind a mark everywhere you go that you worshipped. He built altars at every spot along the way. The people there could see, oh, Abram was here. And he pitched a tent. Just traveling through. Hey, why don't you set up here? Nope, I'm not in the promised land yet. <laughs> I, I'm pitching a tent because I haven't reached my final destination. And when we proclaim Christ... And the good news of salvation, it's not just that the world needs to hear it. Yes, they do. It's that we need to hear it as well. Because the truth is, we've all sinned. We've all failed. We've all fallen short. We've all done wrong. Just like Adam and Eve and Cain and Noah and Abram and all the rest who fell short of God's glory. And you know, apart from God, we could have everything the world has to offer, just like Abram did. But without Christ, it's meaningless. And what good news. That when we call on the name of the Lord, that he is faithful. That if we ask forgiveness, he offers it. That he, he cleanses us from our sins. That, that if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he forgives us, renews us, makes us new. And then he calls us. Oh, yes. He calls us into an even greater adventure of following him. And that life begins now and it lasts forever. So let me implore us as I close this morning, don't curse the darkness. Instead, choose to shine the light of Christ into the world that so desperately needs it, even as you recognize your own great need for Christ. But do respond to God's call by putting your faith in him 
And by stepping into the unknown, step out where God leads you, knowing that he will be with you every step of the way. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the faith of our forefather, Abram. Called out of the lap of luxury, called out of comfort and convenience to a place that you would show him. Called as a, as a 75-year-old childless man to be the father of a great nation. And so, Lord, give us faith like his. Lord, I pray also that you would give us a sensitivity that we might hear you. We confess, Lord, that so often our life and our world is so busy and noisy. And so even now, Lord, even here in this moment, we quiet our hearts before you. Oh God, would you speak to us? And Lord, we choose to respond in faith today, to trust you and to step out boldly in the places that you're leading us. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, even as you have blessed us. And we pray it all in Jesus' precious name.